0: This morning, brothers and sisters, I may focus your attention particularly on the verses 12 through 14 of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14. Let's read those verses once again. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on in Christ Jesus. That's our text. In response to the sermon, we will be singing from Psalm 119 to stanzas 12 and 13. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, typically Paul, brothers and sisters, you would think when reading our Scripture passage, with him It is everything or nothing. It was that way already when he was still in the grip of the Pharisaic work righteousness. He went all out in his persecution of those people of the way. As a monster ravaging the church, he had gone even as far as Damascus. Those followers of Jesus had to be killed. They betrayed a Jewish religion, the zeal for the law, the righteousness of works. That was his conviction. So that's how he acted. However, on the way to Damascus, his life was changed completely. Completely. Yes, completely in the sense of his pursuit. On that way, he met this Jesus whom the people of the way were following. He got to know who he actually was. Now Paul surrendered to the Lord Jesus of Christ unconditionally. Yes, also completely. For Paul remained... Paul, Lord, what do you want me to do? He had asked. Your will be done totally. I belong to you completely. That's Paul for you. You don't think that he was fickle or whimsical, both in the time before Damascus as well as in the time following Paul had lived for God in everything. He had given himself to the Lord as a model Jew, zealously. However, when he learned from Christ the futility of his life, pursuing a righteousness of his own, he trashed that life. When he learned Jesus Christ and Him crucified, beloved, Paul forsook all self-righteousness, all Phariseeism, all man-centered religion. Since he learned that we can have true life in Jesus Christ alone, Paul surrendered to Christ, submitted to Christ, proclaimed Jesus Christ, became Christian totally, completely. Completely. Fully, irreversibly, it's everything or nothing. Why? Well, says Paul, for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He is everything to him in his life before God. Outside of him, he has nothing in his life with God. That's what he wants for himself, but also for the Philippians. For with God, it is everything or nothing, Paul knows. Yes, he also knows that the inclination to self-righteousness, the tendency to self-centeredness, threatens the church always. In fact it had infiltrated in the congregation of Philippi already. It happens so easily indeed that our heart is divided, that our life lacks commitment, and that our mind is self-confident. How come? For lack of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Word of God is coming to us as well, with the question, my brother and sister, do you know Jesus Christ as the everything or nothing in your life? Is knowing him worth everything to you? Are you pursuing this knowledge of Christ to gain him, to be found in him, to share in him? Let's then listen To the Word of God and see Paul's pursuit of the full knowledge of Christ. We see, first of all, his approach, secondly, his attitude, and thirdly, his aim. So, I summarize the message of this morning as follows, Paul's pursuit of the full knowledge of Christ. And we see, first of all, his approach. Brothers and sisters, is that not somewhat confusing the fact that Paul is pursuing perfection, could this mean that the apostle Paul had fallen back into his former pursuit of redeeming himself by works of the law? Well, no, not really. In fact, the apostle has just lashed out at those Judaizers, those people who had become Christians and yet wanted to maintain the whole Jewish law. Dogs, he called them. That was the name given to Gentiles, to people who seek their own salvation, who trust in themselves for deliverance, who serve their own interests in their life. Those Judaizers were pushing the same things, trusting in the flesh. They were do-it-yourself Christians. They still believed in the deliverance through works of the law, In salvation through perfection. Paul denies that way of redemption totally. Oh, if he wanted to, he could boast of the things of the flesh, brag about obedience, and boost his ego with his record, yet that's trash! I'm not saved by works of the law but by faith in Christ. And why then, beloved, does Paul speak about pursuing perfection? Well, let me respond to that question with a beautiful answer from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 32. Because Christ, having redeemed us by His blood, also renews us by His Holy Spirit to be His image, so that with our whole life, we may show ourselves thankful to God for His benefits, and He may be praised by us. I'm not perfect, says Paul, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. This word of the Apostle Paul sheds the full light of the gospel on an important question. Why do we have to do good works? To be saved? No, but because I am saved. So don't say, I am saved and that's it. No, says Paul, your salvation in Christ is like firing the starter pistol for the good fight of faith. Your salvation in Christ is the beginning of a long process of knowing Christ Jesus. For a lot is entailed in this. Just listen to Paul's own description of this pursuit in his life. First 10, I want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. So this is the pursuit of Paul's life, beloved, and in it he knows himself to be very imperfect yet. When Paul learned Jesus Christ and him crucified, the risen Lord, he entered upon a totally new pursuit in his life. Knowing Him, that is, experiencing in your life what it means that Christ died for you, lives in you. I said, knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior by His death and resurrection is like the firing of the starter pistol at the beginning of a race. Of course, that comparison is not mine, but I derive it from Paul's own metaphor. I press on to take hold of it. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's image and comparison with the world of sports is one of his favorites. In most people's life, a race is taking place, a pursuit of some ideal, of some ambition, of wealth, of values, or the like. As Paul does in his epistle to the Corinthians, beloved, so he does here. He conjures up the picture of the athletes in the arena. He must have watched them running, wrestling, contesting in one sport or another. For us today, this certainly is a picture which is very familiar in this time of the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. Radio and TV, newspapers and magazines are filled with stories about athletes, sports people. The purpose for Paul's reference, however, is more for the realities going on behind their performance, their competition. Today's papers as well inform us about the years of intense practice, the total dedication to the sport. It's everything or nothing in this world of sports. Well, that image Paul wants to use for his own pursuit. Of course, that's then also the only purpose for its usage. There is a world of difference between the one pursuit and the other, between the race for earthly honor and glory, and the pursuit of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Indeed, there is no comparison between national pride and the joy of the believer's knowing of Christ. By faith in Jesus Christ, beloved, we are justified before God. By faith in Jesus Christ alone can we be saved. Then knowing Jesus Christ means everything in your life. No, then Paul does not mean knowing Him by some facts, knowing Jesus Christ intellectually. Rather, he wants to know Him for his whole life, with his whole life. As the Lord Jesus himself testified, this is eternal life, that you know God and Jesus Christ, whom he sent, John 17. Therefore, Paul wants to know Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. In his total dedication to Jesus Christ, Paul wants to die with Christ and rise to newness of life. He wants to experience the power of his resurrection in his own life, be moved by that power, warmed by that power, driven by that power, permeated by that power, so that everything in his life is in him, for him, to him. For that's how Jesus Christ will become manifest in your life, recognizably, obvious. And don't think that's easy. Paul wants to be one with Christ both in suffering and life. That's why he is in prison. Yet Christ before everything, Christ for everything, Christ in everything. Can you imagine now, beloved, how great an impact this must have on our life? Yes, I'm saying on our life. For this is not for some, for hobbyists, for spiritual athletes only, who just are watched by many others. These are examples, perhaps, from whom you can learn their total dedication, their wholehearted devotion just like the Apostle Paul puts himself up as an example, as he does in verse 17. However, the Apostle Paul calls his readers to following him in this pursuit. It brings into your life a pursuit, a pressure, a practice which will never leave you alone. As Luther once says, faith is a restless thing. Sure, there is the rest of faith, resting as we may in all the benefits of Christ and sharing all the merits of Christ. Nevertheless, when you belong to Christ with heart and soul and live for Him who died for sin and rose for our justification, then Christ will live in you more and more. In Him you rise from the death of your sins. From Him you learn the life in God. You will be meditating on Him, conversing with Him, walking with Him, ensuring meanwhile that nothing comes between you and Him, yielding yourself to Him, Submitting yourself to His discipline on your life with His Word and Holy Spirit. Indeed, beloved, being saved by grace does not mean being delivered in an easy way. What suffering, what sacrifices, what selfless dedication is required for those who know themselves involved in a race in life? And we who are united with Christ in the pursuit of life, in which we come through suffering to glory, we are also conscious of the many imperfections and sins and shortcomings on which we have to work in order to make it to the finish. There is no room for complacency. Nor can we assume having arrived already. Rather, how visible is Christ in our congregational life? How much does it show that your marriage is a marriage in the Lord? And how well can we see that our children are children in the Lord? Is Christ everything in our families already? Or does that leave so much to be desired because we do not have the same attitude yet as we here see in the Apostle Paul? Which brings us to our second point, Paul's attitude. How come, beloved, that the Apostle Paul is driven so much in this pursuit of knowing Christ Jesus his Lord? Well, he himself adduces as reason the following… I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What does Paul mean? On the road to Damascus, Paul was stopped in his track by the Lord Jesus. He took hold of Paul for his own purpose, for service to him. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. That's when God turned the tables on him. Paul, who was on his way to arrest the believers, now was arrested himself. The persecutor then became the pursuer in Christ's service of Christ's cause. Christ made him his own, Paul says. Christ laid hold on him, lay his hand upon him. You know how that showed? The first thing Paul hears on behalf of Jesus Christ are the words from the mouth of Ananias, sent by Christ. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Acts 22, verse 16. Then Ananias may add the promise that Paul will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, verse 17. You see, that's what determines Paul's life all around. That's what determines Paul's attitude in life. God, in Christ, has claimed him for himself. And now Paul knows nothing but Jesus Christ. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul takes everything for his life in the Lord from Christ. Indeed, he does so, not only for himself, but he instills the same attitude in his followers as well. Now, not because he has become perfect in the meantime... On the contrary, he pursues this perfection through the knowledge of Christ. He pursues this perfection in his followers as well. This is what Paul expressed earlier in his epistle already, beloved. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. So what attitude did he promote? The attitude of Christ who emptied himself who in all humility and service came down to us to save us, to die for us. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, Paul wrote. Chapter 2, verse 5. That's all Paul wanted to know. That's all Paul wanted to preach. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, surpassing all the articles of the law, all the enjoyment of academic pursuits in arts and sciences and philosophies. That's also the mind, the attitude which Paul wants to see reflected in the congregations. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Why? Because Christ has laid his hand on us, because we belong to Christ, because by baptism we may share in Christ. Well, isn't this our confession also of true believers in the church? Belgian Confession, Article 29 I quote, those who are of the church may be recognized by the marks of Christians. They believe in Jesus Christ, the only Savior, flee from sin and pursue righteousness, love the true God and their neighbor without turning to the right or left, and crucify their flesh and its works. Although great weakness remains in them, they fight against it by the Spirit all the days of their life. End of quote. As incentive for the pursuit of that attitude and knowledge, beloved, Paul reiterated what he mentioned in chapter 2 already. As Christ was exalted by God and received a name above every name, And the honor and glory of all creatures, so Paul, so we may look forward to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul pursues the perfect knowledge of Jesus Christ in the entirety of his life, in the total dedication of his service, in the complete devotion to his Lord, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. He who wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for Christ's sake will find it in eternal life, sharing as we will in the crown of life, a crown far surpassing any gold medal on earth. So it's worth the dedication, beloved. It's worth the sacrifices you've made as parents for your children. It's worth the training in the study societies, brothers and sisters. Worth the contributions from your income. Are you still wondering why you are so busy? Involved as you are in the work of your Lord? Do you still ask why you are never finished helping in the communion of saints? Do you still question the reason for going to church twice if you can? You just can't do anything else anymore because Christ has claimed you. God has laid His hand upon you. The Holy Spirit has come to dwell in you. That's why we don't want to talk about what you must do, but about what you feel pressed to do, claimed as you are by Jesus Christ. And so we focus in the third place on the aim of Paul's pursuit. One thing I do, says Paul, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. Paul clearly had the example of the athlete in mind, with the greatest possible persistence concentrates on the one and only one objective, namely to press on toward the goal for the prize. Nothing may divert him from his course. This especially applies for the time of the race itself. At that time, his concentration is so intense that he does not think of the way he covered already, but only of the way he still has to go. On this way, he does not look left or right for his fellow contestants, but he keeps his eyes on the finish, Just think of the athletes on the racing tracks, and you can imagine what it is like to strain forward to what is ahead. All the attention, all the tension in muscles and rhythm, all the concentration in eager anticipation of the mark and the prize. Well, this same concentration and unity of purpose, beloved, the Apostle Paul displays in life and in his instruction as well. One thing I do, he says. One thing. It is that approach and attitude toward our aim in life which we hear in the Scriptures time and again. We sang of it too in Psalm 27. One thing have I desired of God as favor, that I may always in His temple dwell to view the beauty of the Lord my Savior, and in his house to seek his holy will. This also is the Lord Jesus' instruction to Martha. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. what that is, listening to the Lord's teaching in order to know Jesus Christ. Indeed, that is the prayer of the believer. Unite my heart to fear your name. In order thus to concentrate on the aim of his life, brothers and sisters, Paul does not want to dwell on the past, on his record, on his origin, or his career as rabbi, but considers that loss rubbish. Rather, he looks ahead, pursuing the full knowledge of Christ. He becomes the man of the one theme, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He serves as the man of the one book, the word of his Master. He wants to be seen as the man of the one aim, Sharing in the glory of Christ. People will call you a fanatic if that be your pursuit, but never mind. Better be a fanatic and get what you aim at. In Paul's and our case, that's the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Believers live from that call every day. They honor their God in this call. They do so because of this unity with Jesus Christ. He only had one call, to do the will of His Heavenly Father. That's what He was anointed for, Jesus the Christ. Now we may share in that anointing with the Holy Spirit, Christians who live in communion with Christ. What a life, beloved, that is. What a beautiful position you have, boys and girls. You belong to God. You are bought with a price. You are claimed for a purpose. You're on your way to the goal of the resurrection from the dead and the life everlasting. Well, that will keep you moving, That gives purpose to your training, your studies, your service, and your aims. Are you busy with that, however? Knowing Jesus Christ, are you all focused on that? Here today, listening attentively to know Jesus Christ, does that put you under pressure? make you restless, eager to know and to grow in understanding, competence, skill for the service of God. Keep it up and press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.